morning, Grace Church, Medina East Campus. How's everybody doing? It's great to be here with you. Uh, my name's Clark, and uh, I would love to meet you after the message this morning. Come say hi to me. Uh, if we've never gotten to meet, I'd love to hear your story, uh, get to know how you got connected to Grace a little bit. Um, I just want to let you know that uh, a lot of times I'm up here uh, helping out with the announcements on the weekend. And so if you're like, wow, like this is a really long announcement today, well, it's not. So I'm preaching this weekend. So yeah, just let you know a little bit about that. But uh, yeah, just to give you kind of a little bit of a window into my life, because like I said, I'm not always up here preaching on the weekends. Um, I just got married like um, a little bit over a year ago to my wife, Amanda. So this is a picture of uh, me and her. This is us and front of our house where we live, and uh, we're just kind of doing our daily routine. We stand in front of our house for about an hour, and we, uh, we just kind of smile out into the abyss and think about how amazing our lives are. But yeah, um, yeah, I also, uh, so we got married last year, and a uh, couple, couple fun facts about us. Uh, one of the things that uh, we really enjoy is uh, to go to the metro parks around Northeast Ohio, and so uh, this time of the year especially is really nice to do that. And so when we get on the same uh, schedule, because she's a nurse, and so uh, we have like opposite schedules a lot of times, uh, we like to do that. Another fun fact about us, uh, me and my wife love to watch movies together and eat popcorn, and a lot of times we like to take uh, Swedish fish and uh, mix that in the popcorn, so we're just kind of weird like that. So I would encourage you, if you've never tried that, you know, get a little bit of Swedish fish, you know, sprinkle it in the popcorn, go fishing, you know, it's a really, it's a really good time. Let me know if you like that or not, so homework assignment. Anyway, I, I love being a part of the Medina East Campus staff. Um, I've been a resident here for a little bit, and I love being over uh, under, uh, I better get that part right, under Pastor Tony and Pastor Seth's <laughs> leadership. Hopefully I still have a job. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just such a great team, and I love being a part of, uh, part of that. So if I've never met you, come say hi to me afterwards. I'd love to meet you and your family. Um, we are just... Uh, concluding a series that we have been in for the past uh, couple weeks. Uh, this is week five, so if you're just now uh, jumping in, you're actually catching us at the very uh, tail end of the conversation. But I would encourage you to uh, go back to our, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast or go to our website, and you can get all caught up with the, the past couple weeks of uh, our series, God Is Not. But ever since day one, kind of what we've been saying, just to kind of recap a little bit, uh, we've been saying that um, for a lot of us, we come to the idea of God with a, with a bunch of presuppositions and a bunch of assumptions about who God is. And we said that we want to uh, try to press into those assumptions and press into those presuppositions and see what the Bible has to say about who God is. And so if you've been with us, you probably remember we've been using kind of this uh, uh, darkroom analogy. So if you imagine like a, a photograph um, inside of a darkroom, we said that like for every uh, clear picture requires um, a negative. Um, in the same sense, for every uh, clear picture of who God is would also require uh, a clear picture or definitive statement of who God is not. And so that's kind of what we've been saying, and we've been trying to press into those assumptions and those presuppositions about God so that we can help uh, each other, kind of combat that line of thinking where we have those seasons in our lives where we kind of tend to, to think that God is somebody who he's not. So we want to help you with that. And so that's what this conversation, God is not, is really all about. Like I said, if you missed any of it, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast or go to the website. Um, we've also been looking at a very famous psalm, Psalm 23, to kind of jumpstart these conversations um, every single week. And so one week we looked at Psalm 23 and we said this, we discovered that God is not weak, God is strong. 
Another week we looked at Psalm 23 and we learned together that God is not cheap, God is lavish. Uh, Last week, if you were here, you might remember we talked about how God is not distant, God is present. And so today what I hope to do is conclude this conversation, God is not, by looking at this statement right here, that God is not afraid, God is victorious. We want to look at the fact that God is not afraid, God is victorious. So if you have your Bibles, would you join me again and go to Psalm 23. It's going to be on page 382. Psalm 23, page 382, and those black Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you. And uh, we always say this, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can just take one of ours, and we will make that a gift from us to you. That is uh, just our way of saying thanks for being here. Uh, Happy back to school, if you're in school. If you're not in school, then you can still have it. All right, so as you're flipping there, uh, let me just pray for us. Well, God, I just want to say thank you for everybody here. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you that everybody here has a story, and um, Lord, you're, you're, uh, you know what's going on in each, each and every one of us. Um, Lord, your word says that you know every hair on our heads. And so, Lord, I don't know what we're coming in here this morning with, what kind of baggage we have, but... Uh, Lord, I pray that we could just kind of lay all that before you this morning, and as we look at the end of Psalm 23, um, Lord, I pray that, uh, you know, you would just kind of meet us right where we're at, and uh, just want to pray for everybody here, and uh, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit, that he would lead us and guide us into all truth this morning. I'm going to ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to get into this uh, passage of scripture with you this morning, but before we do, I just want to uh, tell you kind of where we're going this morning kind of let you know our destination. All cards on the table. I want to talk to you this morning about your battles. I want to talk about your battles this morning. And I know that in life, you know, there's a lot of different battles. You know, there's a whole host of battles that we come into uh, contact with in life. I know for me, uh, there's a lot of lightweight battles that I have. I find myself uh, talking to somebody on our staff just the other day. I remember talking to him, and I was like, man, you know what? It's just a it's such a battle to get my Redbox movie returned on time, you know? It's just, I find that to be a battle. And he was like, man, that's some first world problems there, you know? Um, I'll find myself saying stuff like that, though, and I'll be like, you know what? It's just such a battle to, get my, uh, to keep up on my laundry and my dishes, you know? That's a battle. Again, that's just like, that's a really lightweight battle. Sometimes I'll say stuff like, you know, it's just such a battle to eat the right food, you know? It's a battle to get to the gym. And all those statements are true, especially the one about me getting to the gym. I think we can all agree that's true, but uh, <laughs> there's some battles in life that they're just, they're intense battles, right? And you guys know what I'm talking about. You know those battles. Some of you are probably in one of those battles right now, I'm guessing. And those battles can be, those battles can be straining, right? When you feel like you're in that place of desperation, like all hope is lost, you're just like, man, I don't know how to get through this battle. You know, for me, uh, a couple years back, I was in my early 20s, and, and I went through a pretty intense battle in my life. Some of you are familiar with my story. You might have heard it before, but uh, just to give you a window in my life, when I was in my early 20s, I was facing one of the most intense battles of my life, and it was a battle of sobriety. And I just know for me, every single day was a constant battle to not use, to not give in to this drug addiction that I was battling. And, you know, there was times of hopelessness. There was times of, you know, these seasons of darkness in my life where I just felt like I was at the end of my rope. You guys ever feel like that? You know somebody that feels like that? Well, that's how I was, and I was just like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this battle? It just, it just seems hopeless. How am I going to do it? 
And, it, and it, you know, it almost took me out. It almost took my life. It was battle. It was so intense, you guys. But it was by the grace of God. God was able to meet me in my battle. And he was able to prepare victory for me in my battle. And the reason I share that with you this morning, because I think a lot of you need to hear this. Here's the one common denominator that all of us in this room this morning share together. Here it is. We all have our battles. Each and every one of you have your, bat- you have your battles. Maybe some are in an intense battle right now. Maybe you're in some lightweight battles, but we have our battles. That's the one thing I know. And I don't know what it is for you, but, you know, they, they all look kind of different. For some of us, maybe it's a battle of forgiveness. Uh, maybe for you, every single day, it, it's a battle of forgiveness. It's a battle to just not hold on to the resentment and to the bitterness towards a person that has wronged you in some way, shape, or form. Maybe for you, that's your battle. Maybe for you, it's a battle in your marriage, right? Like every day or at least a couple times a week, there's, just, there's a battle, right, that you're struggling with. Maybe for you, that's your battle. Others of us, maybe it's a battle of sexual purity. Maybe for you, every single day, it's a battle to not look at pornography on your phone or on the computer. Maybe for you, that's your battle. Others of us, maybe it's a battle of not sinning in your anger, right? Maybe for you, every single day, it's a battle to not allow your anger to turn into a fit of rage. Maybe that's your battle. For some of us, it's a battle of sobriety. Maybe you're thinking, Clark, I can identify with your battle a little bit. Or maybe you know somebody, there's a name or a face or a situation that pops up in your head and you think, that's my battle. Every day, it's a battle to not give in to that addiction. Maybe that's your battle. For some of us, it's the battle of pride, right? Every day, for some of us, it's a battle to not think that our sin is as bad as somebody else's. Or maybe by way of contrast, it's a battle of pride in the sense that for you it's a battle to not think that your sin could outweigh God's grace somehow. Maybe it's a battle of pride. Here's what I know. We've all got our battles. Fortunately for us, we're not the only people to have battles. People back in Bible times, they had battles. The author of Psalm 23, David, he had battles. And he met the Lord in the middle of his battles. And he figured out how to view those battles rightly. So much so that he actually wrote about it at the end of Psalm 23, verse 5 and 6. And so if you have your Bibles, would you go with me and break in Psalm 23, verse 5. Let's look at this together. He says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I just want you to notice something. If you've been tracking with us these past couple weeks, you might remember that uh, from the very uh, beginning of Psalm 23, David is using this metaphor of, of God being a shepherd and, and, and us being the sheep. Well, he kind of shifts in thought a little bit, and he's viewing God as not only this really great shepherd, but also a host. So just imagine uh, God almost like a king at a, at a table, and David's like saying, I'm kind of like the honorable guest at this king's table. Notice what he says. Look at this first line with me says, you prepare a table before me. I love this uh, verse in the New Living Translation. It says, you prepare a feast for me. And the message paraphrase actually says, you prepare a six-course dinner for me. That sounds pretty good. I love this because the word table in the Hebrew is actually the word meal. And back in Bible times, to share a meal with somebody, it was really uh, indicative of intimacy. And What David is kind of getting at, the point he's getting at here, is that God is inviting David to share in this fellowship and this intimacy with him. But notice what else he says. Look at the second line. He says, 
in the presence of my, what's the word? Say it with me. Enemies. In the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but the last thing that I want to do is eat in front of my enemies, right? But notice what he says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't want you to, to, to miss this. If you, if you really think about it, <laughs> to eat a meal in, in, in front of your enemies, right? <laughs> David is saying, all my enemies, they're, they're gathered around me. They're all scowling. They're all snarling. And they're all threatening me. And David, look what David's doing. He is feasting. He's feasting in the middle of his enemies. He's with the Lord at a table, a prepared meal with God. He's feasting in front of his enemies. I don't know about you, but to me, that's like the ultimate, like, nana, nana, boo, boo, stick your head and doo-doo, right? Like, (laughs) you're all gathered around, you're scowling, you're snarling, you're threatening, and I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to eat my meal. I'm just going to mash on this food with God. And as long as I'm here with God and you're over there, you can't touch me. And I don't know about you, but the story or picture that comes to my mind, it's kind of silly, but when I was like in middle school, I had a friend that uh, he had one of those like Jack Russell Terrier dogs. You know what I'm talking about? Those little dogs, they're really hyper dogs. They bark a lot and they're like, they bite sometimes, a lot of times. Well, anyway, my friend had one of those dogs. I remember going over to his house and I remember just, you know, it running across the kitchen linoleum floor and just biting my feet and putting holes in my socks. And I'd come home and my mom would be like, why is your jeans all ripped up, you know? And I remember one day I was over at my friend's house and, and his dog was inside and I was outside. And he was like on top of the couch inside the living room area and he was like barking at me, you know? And he was just like fogging up the window and just showing teeth and just, you'd see the hair sticking up on his back. And I remember just like taunting him like, you know? Cause I'm like, as long as I'm out here and you're in there, like, you can't touch me. You can't do anything. And, it, you know, that's kind of the picture that kind of comes to mind here. Like, David is so content with the Lord, enjoying this intimacy and fellowship with God, and his enemies can't touch him. Well, I don't know what you're going through right now. Again, just think of whatever battle it is in your head right now. And, uh, you know, some, some of you, you're probably in a tense battle, um, I guess, is, uh, for a lot of us. There's always some sort of battle in our life, Right? And as I was kind of studying this text this past week, uh, there was a little statement that, that, I kind of, that I wrote down, and I thought it was really, really helpful, and I want to share it with you this morning. I think a lot of you need to hear this, and uh, if you're taking notes, you might write this down. If you forget everything that we talk about, get this. Here it is. Ready? My battles are an opportunity for God's victory. My battles are an opportunity for God's victory. Here's what I don't want you to miss. When you're going through that battle, when you're in the middle of that intense battle in your life, God is preparing a victory, not at the end of your battle, but in your battle. David had the confidence to say, my battles are an opportunity for God's victory. And what David is kind of getting at here is the same thing that is available to each and every one of us today. If we call God our shepherd, if we call God our king and our host, we can confidently say that my battles are an opportunity for God's victory. Here's the thing. David actually experienced this firsthand. Like this wasn't just this pie-in-the-sky, theoretical, abstract concept that David knew. He actually experienced this in his life. For some of you, you might remember, uh, if you're a Bible person, in the book of 1 Samuel, there's a story about David, and he's fleeing from 
his father-in-law, Saul. And the Bible says that he's hiding from Saul in this cave. And he's huddled back in this cave with his men. And the Bible says Saul, his father-in-law, who's chasing after him, the Bible says he had to use the restroom. I don't know why, it's just kind of funny to me. He had to use the restroom, and uh, well, it said he had to relieve himself. I just imagine Saul was probably like, man, I'm never doing Taco Tuesday again. It was a bad decision. He finds a cave. He goes in the cave. As he's in the middle of you know, doing, this, doing his thing, uh, David comes creeping up behind Saul, almost kind of like quiet like a cat. I just imagine him. And the Bible says that he cuts off a piece of Saul's royal robe. Later on, the Bible says that David presents that piece of robe that he cut off of Saul's robe. And he says, look, God put you right in front of me. I could have taken your life, but I didn't because you're the Lord's anointed. All that to say, David was very familiar with this. David knew that his battles were an opportunity for God's victory. He lived it. He experienced it. You know, from, from David and Goliath's story to the bears to the lions to this situation with, with Saul in the cave, David knew that his battles were an opportunity for God's victory. And it's the same for us today. All of us that would call God our shepherd and our king, we can confidently say this as well, that our battles are an opportunity for God's victory. The victory is not being prepared after the battle, but in the battle, that God is with you in your battle even right now. Now, I know for some of us, this is kind of a, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a helpful statement, right? And it's, uh, you know, it's encouraging. But what about those times where you're just, you're just not feeling the victory in your battle, right? You ever feel like that? You're like, I know that Jesus died for my sins. I know that he rose from the dead. I know the Easter sermon, right? But what about those times where I'm just not feeling it? You ever have those moments? Well, I, I feel like that too sometimes, and I, I've experienced that frustration in my life, and I live in that tension. And there was actually something really helpful that a, a theologian uh, once said that um, I'm going to try to illustrate it the way he did. So if you think of uh, that really crucial date in World War II, so in uh, 1944, June 6, 1944, right, the, uh, the troops stormed the beaches of Normandy, right? And this is a famous day. It was known as D-Day, right? Well, this was a really pivotal, pivotal date in World War II, and uh, later on, the Allies, uh, they celebrated something called VE Day, which was Victory Day. And a lot of theologians kind of use this to illustrate this concept called already not yet. And what it means is that the victory has already been won by Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection, the empty tomb. Jesus uh, broke the power of Satan's sin and death through the cross and the resurrection, But that victory will not be experienced to its fullness. We won't experience this renewal of our salvation until the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so what a lot of theologians do is they say that that D-Day was was a lot like Jesus' first coming and his crucifixion and his resurrection. But there will be a day which is going to be a lot like this victory day where followers of Christ will experience the fullness of this victory and the renewal of their salvation. I don't know about you, but that was really helpful and really clarifying uh, for me. And there will be a day where that happens, the Bible says. And I don't think we talk about this enough as followers of Jesus. I don't think we talk about this nearly often as much as we should be. I want you to notice something else this text says. Notice what he says next. You anoint my head with oil. Back in Bible times, this was just something that they did. This was just a 
way of showing hospitality. Uh, they would take some fragrance perfume and they would anoint it on your head. And, uh, you know, this is like the, the modern Clark translation. But I imagine going to a friend's house and they spray you with some aquadigio or something, right? Like, they're just like, thanks for coming over. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's just kind of my translation. But uh, notice what else he says. My cup overflows. And so David's like, God is pulling all the stops out here. He's given me the best food. He's given me, the, you know, the, the best fragrance. And, and he gives me this choice cup of wine. Nothing but the best for David. Look what he says next. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I love this. I want you to notice that phrase there. He says, follow me. Uh, this phrase in the original language actually means to run after or to chase. It means to pursue or to hunt. And I love this because this is exactly uh, what God does. He sends his one son, Jesus, the good shepherd, right, to run after us, to chase us with his love, his goodness. The Bible says that we all like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. The Bible says that Jesus looked among the crowds and he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, and God did that by sending his son Jesus. His grace is running after you. It's chasing you. It's pursuing you. And you go, how often is this going to happen? And notice what he says, all the days of my life all the days of my life, not just when God's in the mood, not just when God's really feeling it, all the days of my life, that's what the Bible says. Look what else he says. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I would encourage you to circle or underline that word forever because this, I believe, the psalmist is giving us a foretaste of what followers of Jesus, anybody who would call God their shepherd or their king, their host, this is a foretaste of what is to come. And uh, the Bible says that there is going to be a day where there's no more enemies, there's no more battles. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, the Bible describes this uh, marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19. And it's, a, and, it's a, and it's an amazing, glorious day. It's a day where followers of Jesus can all be in this, uh, share this intimacy with Jesus Christ. And there's, there's not going to be any more battles. There's not going to be any more struggle. There's not going to be any more enemies. It's going to be amazing. So just imagine what that's going to be like, if you can. Imagine a day where there's no battle of sexual purity. That battle is over. Imagine a day where those battles in your, in your marriage, those battles are over. Imagine a day where uh, the battle of forgiveness, right, the resentment and, and, and the bitterness that you're holding on to, that's no longer a thing you have to worry about. Imagine a day where the battle of sinning in your anger, those fits of rage, that battle's over. The battle's done away with. Imagine a day where you're free from the battle of sobriety. No longer do you have to struggle with that temptation or that addiction. That battle is, is done. It's going to be a day where you're going to be free from the battle of pride. No longer are you going to be tempted to think that your sin is not as bad as someone else's or think that your sin outweighs God's grace. That battle's done away with. The intimacy with Christ, the fellowship with him, it's going to outweigh all of that. There's going to be a day where that happens, the Bible says. And I don't know about you, but as someone who calls God my shepherd and my king, I'm pretty excited for that day. A couple audience I want to address. If you're somebody who is, uh, you know, in that camp where you think, okay, I think God is my shepherd. I want to submit to Jesus' leadership in my life. I want to allow him to lead me into, you know, green pastures or when I'm in the valley. I'm tracking with everything that we're saying these past few weeks. I'm tracking with you. 
um, I want you to wrestle uh, this question to the ground. Am I resting in the victory of Jesus? Am I resting in the victory of Jesus? And let me explain what I mean by that a little bit because I know for me in my own personal experience, my own relationship with Jesus, that hasn't been an easy thing to do. Especially when I was in the middle of my battle, right? Before I could recognize that, you know, my battles were an opportunity for God's victory. You know, it wasn't until I got to experience that intimacy with Christ that I got to experience that victory in my battle. And I know for me, it probably looks different for everybody, but I know those days where I was just, you know, struggling in, in, in that battle and that temptation that was so overwhelming, right? Like I had, to, I had to, like, tape verses, like, you know, over the walls, you know, in my room. And I remember just meditating on, the, on God's word every day, just thinking, like, God, you know, I just, I, I want to go out and I want to use, you know, and I don't want to do that. And I, and I remember just meditating on, on God's word and just thinking, like, God's with me in this battle. Like, my battle's an opportunity for God's victory. And I know for me, that was, that was like, tremendously helpful. I'm not going to say it was easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I just remember there was those times where God's word was just a refuge and oasis for me where I just felt like God was with me in that moment. And so that's how I find intimacy with Christ. It wasn't until I found intimacy with Christ that I could find victory in the battle. And so whatever battle you're in, chase after that intimacy. And by doing so, you can find rest in the victory of Jesus and knowing that Jesus Christ has broken the power of Satan's sin and death. The victory has already been won. And so Jesus is asking that you could just rest in that victory. I love what the Apostle Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I thought this was so encouraging. Uh, He says this. He's giving instructions to a church in Corinth on the resurrection of Jesus. And he says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think the point that Paul is getting at is that the victory has been won. That Jesus conquered, he defeated Satan's sin and death. And that we can stand in light of that victory. And we can know full well that our battles are an opportunity for God's victory. And you can have that. You can rest in that today. And I would encourage you to do that. Audience number two, I want you to wrestle this other question to the ground. If you're investigating Jesus and you've been, you know, tracking along with us these past couple weeks of this God is not conversation, and maybe you're still thinking, like, I don't really know. This is a big decision, right? I don't know. It sounds intriguing, but I just, I still don't know. Maybe you need to process through that with maybe the person that brought you here today or maybe, you know, check out some, uh, a life group, you know, check out the biblical community around Grace Church and you can process through that with some people. But here's a question that I would encourage you to wrestle to the ground. Here it is. Am I open to the possibility that God is inviting me to his table? Am I open to the possibility that God is inviting me to his table? You know, once again, I can probably explain it best through my own personal story. 
You know, it wasn't until I experienced Jesus at the table that I could experience that intimacy that I was being invited into, that in my place of desperation, when I felt like I was at the end of my rope, when I'd meditate on God's word, when I'd feel the encouragement through the word of God, it was only then that I was able to experience that intimacy with Christ that is available to each and every one of you. And so I encourage you, I plead with you today, if you've never made that decision, will you meet Jesus at the table? Will you meet Jesus at the table? Will you experience that intimacy, that fellowship with Christ that can free you from the bondage of, of those battles, whatever battle you're in? And will you confidently embrace you know, that, the, the truth that we can declare that our battles are an opportunity for God's victory? I would encourage you to do that. And if you make that decision, would you let somebody know, let the person that brought you here today know, let somebody on our staff know. We'd love to celebrate you and walk with you and help you take your next steps. We would love to do that with you. I want to ask the band to come out now, and as they're getting settled in, I just want to encourage you. Uh, I don't know if you're a person that sings during songs or not, but I love the words of this song because I think it really adorns the message that we're sending out today that my battle is an opportunity for God's victory. Uh, you'll notice the words on the screen. It's going to say, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And that's exactly what Jesus does. You see, God is not afraid. God is victorious. And we can confidently declare today, for all of us that would call God our shepherd and our king and our great host, we could confidently declare, my battle is an opportunity for God's victory. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, I know that uh, uh, this, is some, uh, this is some heavy stuff that we're uh, talking about this morning. And God, I, I know that people are going through some uh, really intense battles right now. And uh, Lord, even if we're in that season where life is good, Lord, we know the battles are inevitable. The battles are coming. But God, I'm just so thankful that we can rest in that victory. God, when we come to you and we accept that intimacy, we accept that fellowship, God, we can confidently declare that our battles are an opportunity for your victory, God, your victory over Satan, sin, and death. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for what you've done in my life, and I thank you for what you have been doing and can do in the people's lives here today, this morning. And so, Lord, I ask that if, as we sing this song together, Lord, that you would stir our hearts with that truth, God, the reality that our battles are an opportunity for your victory, God. God, you're not afraid. You're victorious. I pray this in your name. Amen.